We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So Ryan, it is time to do our mailbag. We do have some questions now. So if you have if you have some more, please fire those questions in there now. We had a couple super chats from Tyler Evans. And uh he kind of joked at the beginning, Ryan, when you're talking, he said Shaw said the Notre Dame game was close last year. Remember? Did you ever hear that? Did you ever hear no. the press conference you did afterwards? Nope. After the game, David Shaw was talking about how he felt that game was really close. And like, you know, it's closer than the score and all other kind of 45, stuff. 45 14? Yeah, 45 right? 14. And it really wasn't that close, Ryan. It, it was no. it was not that close. It was like, I mean, it was 45 to 14, and Notre Dame called the dogs. It was 24 nothing at halftime. Yeah. And uh, it was just, just like, what are you talking about? Like, I have no, it, it was 38 7 in the fourth quarter. Remember, Benjamin Urasek had that long touchdown catch. Yes. Uh, yeah. And, 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 and remember, by Xavier Watts. Yes. Terrible yeah. angle. And their first touchdown came on a 13-play drive. If you remember correctly, Notre Dame was up 31 to nothing, 24 to nothing. Mm-hmm. And Jack Cohn threw a pick early in the third quarter that Stanford mm-hmm. ran back and turned a 13-yard, you know, 13-yard drive for a touchdown. So it was not close. That game no. was not close. I didn't understand what he was talking about. We had a super sticker from Paul Church. Paul, thank you. Thank you very much. And Tyler Evans also says uh, that this is Shaw's last year. Hate to say it. You know, I really don't know what to make of David Shaw's tenure at Stanford. And, and like, he seems pretty comfortable there. But I got to think a guy that is as competitive as David Shaw is, is not happy uh, with that kind of product, product. I just, I can't think that. But then at the same time, you know, I, I, I see that. And, but then I also see him not doing anything about it, you know, and that's the kind of frustrating thing. Like I'd mentioned earlier, you know, like five, six years ago, I'd have taken David Shaw in a heartbeat. I, I wouldn't have touched him last year when Brian Kelly left. You didn't hear me bring his name up at all because he just doesn't show the same kind of fire in his belly as he did early in his career from in every aspect of, of being a coach. And so it's been strange. And like, he puts a lot of work into the NFL draft stuff or ESPN. And it's just like, Maybe he's just kind of comfortable. He's making good money. There's no pressure there. They don't care if he wins as long as he runs a, a clean program, all those type of things. But, you know, I just 
I don't know because look, I don't see them firing him because I don't think they care. I think they like David Shaw a lot, and they should. He's a good dude. But I don't I don't see Stanford really caring about the record a ton. I don't. Yeah, I I, I really don't know what to make of that, Tyler. I mean, would it shock me if this is his last year? No, just because I don't know if a competitor really wants to continue going through that. But I also wouldn't be shocked if David Shaw stayed for a while uh, because he's comfortable, you know. And you know, it, look, it's a good job to have when you're making millions of dollars. You can do other things you enjoy in the off season, and nobody really gives you any grief about your your record as long as you run a clean program they don't care that's a pretty good gig even in california with the cost of living out there that's still a pretty good gig you know so uh, i don't know i'm very curious about that one i'm very curious about that one ryan we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you love drinking coffee every morning, you have to check out Trade Coffee. Trade makes it super easy to get the best coffee delivered fresh from the finest local roasters around the country. Trade Coffee is a coffee subscription service that makes it so simple for you to discover new coffees and make your best cup of coffee at home every day. No fancy equipment required. Trade partners with the nation's top-rated independent roasters to send you coffee that they know you'll love, fresh to your home and on your preferred schedule. And you get to support small local businesses, which is a win-win. Whether you already know what you like or are new to specialty coffee and need some help, Trade makes it easy and convenient to discover new coffees. They'll send you ground coffee or whole beans for however you make coffee at home. My wife likes a dark roast with full flavor, and every brand we've tried has lived up to the billing. Whether it's the Big City Blend from Joe's Coffee, the Black Velvet from Atomic Coffee Roasters, or the Holmes Blend from Sparrow's, Every cup has not only had a pleasing aroma while brewing, but also a rich, full taste. So whether you're just getting started or a coffee aficionado looking to discover something new, Trade guarantees you'll love your first bag or they'll send you a new one for free. Upgrade your coffee today with Trade Coffee and let them take the guesswork out of finding your perfect cup. Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your subscription, plus free shipping at drinktrade.com irish. That's drinktrade.com slash Irish for $30 off your subscription to the best coffees in the country. That's drinktrade.com slash Irish. That's interesting, man. I, I, I mean, it comes down to what the, the standard is of the program, right? Like what right. they, what they perceive to be the important aspects of it, right? If the, if the committee and everything and all the people that run the show up there 
content with just, you know, having what's perceived as a clean program and good academic standards and meeting all those thresholds. Like, I, I guess I, I really don't know, man. I don't know what to think about it. Cause I mean, yep. if we're just talking about, if we're talking about the end all be all of winning games, then David Shaw is an easy person to just be like that, you know, we need a change needs to happen, but mm-hmm. we're at a point to your, to your, to your point. Who's going to make the change? Is it, does anybody want to make that change? I just don't know right. if, that, if that's a thing. I don't know. Right. And I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any, any stomach for that at Stanford right now. Yeah. I really don't. I just, I don't think it's something that's important to them. Just being honest. It's bizarre, man. Yeah, it really is. Cause it they got, really ta- cause they got a taste of, of, of success. I mean, like right. you said, during the Andrew Luck and then going into the Kevin Hogan type of era, right? Like they were yeah. a good football program. And then all of a sudden they just don't care. That's insane. Yeah. To me, but so I wanted to bring this super chat up from Zach Martin. Zach Martin said, read a shout out. Obviously I was talking about my, my dogs earlier, but Angela uh, did a little bit of a, we had a really nice sun this morning. Like the sun came up. And so she actually took a picture of, of Rita. She had several of the girls, but Angela loves taking pictures of the dogs. And this is Rita uh, this morning. So you can nice. see she's got, her eyes are so much better, Ryan. Her energy has been so good. It's been great seeing her again. She was howling at Angela last night because she was hungry. <laughs> Cause she's on a, she's on a, like one thing she's doing to kind of help her knee me get back up. We're going to take her in on Monday. They just gave us like a two week regimen. We're going to take her in on Monday to get her looked at. Uh, but she's on a steroid that's supposed to help kind of with her, her issues with her blood and energy. And so it makes her hungry all the time. She has to pee all the time. Mm-hmm. And she has, she, so I haven't gotten a good night's sleep in a couple weeks because Rita's always having to get up and go to the restroom. It's like, and, it's like uh, you have a newborn baby. Exactly. Awesome, baby. <laughs> exactly. This is why I didn't have, don't have kids. Uh, but uh, you can see now she got a little food on her nose, but yeah, her energy levels went great. But yeah, this is a picture that she took this morning of, nice. uh, of our girl. So yeah, she's, uh, she's doing great. But yeah. She was yelling at Angela last time. I'm down here. It's like, we had just finished the show and I hear read up there howling. And I'm like, okay, either, Angela's not feeding her or Angela's dead and Rita's freaking out about it. So I went ahead and checked and went upstairs just to make sure that it was the food thing. But yeah, she was hungry. Yes. Well, but good yeah, thing it was the great. food thing. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> I got, yeah, I probably wouldn't be doing the show right now. You know what I mean? So, right. yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Salty. She is. Yeah. She's on the performance enhancers. There's no doubt. So, um, yeah, so that's our girl, and then our other one is uh, is uh, Sadie is our other dog. She's uh, she is what I forget what she's a Karen Terrier, which is the dog that Toto was in the Wizard of Oz, nice. and she has only she only has three legs. So they were both rescues, and well, actually they were both foster dogs because we had just lost our dog Brady. Uh, this was in 2016. We lost our dog Brady to cancer, and so I wasn't ready to have a dog again. And it was in the middle of the football season, so Angela was volunteering at the local shelter. And she volunteered to let us be foster parents for dogs. You know, so you bring them in for a week until they find a home. So they don't stay in the shelter. And so we had Rita for about a month and a half. And then somebody said they wanted her. And we're like, no, we're not giving her up. Well, then they brought us Sadie the day they amputated her leg. And so like within a week, she's like running around. It's just the craziest thing, man. So then we ended up keeping her. So I told Angela after Sadie, I was like, okay, you call them and tell them we're not fostering dogs anymore because we're going to end up with like 30 dogs, <laughs> you know, because we keep getting them like, I don't want to give it up. This dog's pretty awesome, you know? So, uh, but that's, that's Rita and Sadie. So anyway, that's our little, little, little about the, about our pups. So, uh, so I appreciate the, the super chat for that. I know that uh, Angela and, and Rita will both appreciate it. And Anthony Solomon, the super chat. Yes, I did get the video that I emailed you. I'm going to be on campus this weekend. So I plan on checking that out. So I'll let you know what I see. So sorry, I haven't responded to that. Mark one. Hi guys. Great show. Thank you, Mark. 
was at the game. You can see Irish are playing a lot better. The Raiders stadium was electric. There's no doubt they're playing better. I mean, mm-hmm. and that's like a friend of mine called today and he was, uh, we were having a little argument and he was talking about the defense, how bad the defense has been. I said, no, the defense has, has been bad on a, on certain plays, but the defense has played a lot of good football this year. Yep. I was like, you do realize they've yet to give up 400 yards in the game this year, right? Like you do realize they like they've, they've yet to give up like 30 points in a game so far this year, like in, in when it mattered, you know what I mean? I was like, they've given up some big plays in situations that have not been good. They've got stuff to fix, but you know, Notre Dame's also done a pretty good job of, of keeping teams down. I mean, every team that they've played so far has been under their scoring average. Every team they've played so far has been under their total yards average. And every team they played until BYU was under their rushing yard average. Is Notre Dame perfect? No. Uh, do they do they need a lot of work still? Yeah, but this is definitely a team that's ascending. And then the other point I made is Notre Dame's played really good team so far. At mm-hmm. the end of the year, if all five of the teams that Notre Dame has played so far in a bowl game would that surprise anyone? No, no, I would be actually be more surprised if they if those teams don't make a bowl game than I would be if they make a bowl game. And so yeah, they're a team and they're a work in progress. I'm there's no justification for what happened against Marshall. We we have never and will never try to spin it. But when you when you look at Notre Dame, you have to you have to keep in context the fact that they have they have played really good football teams so far, like relative to to what most teams are playing in their first five games. And, you know, that's a that's something you have to consider, right, when you look at their stats. And so, like I told a friend of mine, he's like, yeah, well, they just haven't played good well in the second half. And he was like, I was like, okay, well, what do you mean? He, I said, outside of North Carolina, what do you mean? He goes, well, you know, they played better in the first half against B, against Ohio State. I was like, dude, they only gave up 14 points to Ohio State in the second half. You act like Ohio State ripped up 30 points, ripped off 30 points. You know what I mean? So, like, the defense, I said, let me ask you this. Is the defense played well enough for them to be 5-0? and He's like, Yeah. I said, okay, then can we chill out with the, you know, trying to spend an entire conversation trying to point out all the flaws of the defense? You know what I mean? The offensive side has been the problem. The last two games, they've gotten a lot better. Are they where they need to be, Ryan? No. Nope. Are they are they getting closer? And I think that's the point you made is that I thought was a great point. Is this is the kind of game that you need to take advantage of to where you've been an ascending offense mm-hmm. and now you kind of kick that door down and say, okay. We're rolling now at a different level. This is a, these next two games are perfect game for that Ryan to really get yourself right. It's going to be a night game. It's a, it's a, it's a rival. This is that game where if you are ascending and you are doing what you need to do, this is the kind of game where you should be able to come out and really rip Stanford up. If they don't, then I'm going to be a little bit concerned. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to be a little concerned about the direction of the offense, but if they continue to ascend, to what they've been, because I feel like they didn't play much. I don't think they played any worse against BYU than they played against North Carolina. And I'd argue in some instances offensive, they've played better. They yeah. just played a way better defense than they played against North I, Carolina. Their, their offensive line played the best game by far in the entire season, in my opinion, against BYU. Like they played right. a they, – they were getting movement, Brian. Like that's the thing is that BYU had a very manufactured defensive game plan to stop the run. Like they were mm-hmm. trying to stop the run, and Notre Dame was still – I mean, quietly ran for 234 yards at the end of the game. And we talked about this, right? Did it seem like Notre Dame ran for 234 yards during that game? Not really. But the matter of fact was is that they – Counteract the physicality against BYU. BYU was trying to crowd the line of scrimmage. They were trying to stop the run. 
And Notre Dame was up to the challenge, man. So give Notre Dame credit yeah. for that. And I'll say this. Notre Dame has played the best football in the Raiders stadium that anybody has played this year. Certainly better <laughs> than the Raiders, that's for sure. Was last night's game in Kansas City? Uh, I, I don't even know. I, I've okay. watched the game, and I don't remember where it was. Gotcha. But it was a uh, Raiders uh, – who would have thought that Josh McDaniels might not be a good head coach? Even I know, right? As before. a Broncos fan, I am shocked. <laughs> shocked i hate retread coaches especially that one it's like, it was in it's, kansas city by the way it was in kansas city sure it was yeah. and but i mean they were front running the whole time it was 20 to 10 raiders at some point and then the raiders are one and four their yeah, only they win they their only win no idea over, over the broncos oh i'm sorry i didn't mean to open no, it's the okay <laughs> you, you know how many seconds i have spent watching the nfl this year ryan negative six yeah that's about right about nine. <laughs> I watched like one play by accident. Yeah, uh, uh, Sunday I think it was. So yeah. yeah, just I just don't watch it. Like by Sunday, it's like I've got to do all the work. I just yeah, I just don't care. And then when you watch like that, I saw the replay. Now I see highlights and stuff on Twitter, right? I'm talking about mm-hmm. sitting down watching the game on TV. Sure. Like then you see the penalty that was called on Grady Jarrett against Tom Brady. And you're like, yep, that's why I don't watch the NFL anymore. It's like I'm done. I think and there was another still, one of those. A league that still night. doesn't know how to define a catch. I make I make a annually I make one tweet that says I still don't know what a catch is in the NFL. Yes. Yes. yes, there's no doubt. Still have no clue. <laughs> still have no clue what it is. So yeah, we'll have to see about that one. Uh let's get to some more questions. We do have some really good ones today. Robert Bishop had a couple. Actually, Robert's got a, several questions here. Uh Robert says, I know it's been said several times this year, but I feel like Stanford could get us if we don't get our mm, you know what together. Get us like look. Notre Dame would have to play really bad to lose to Stanford, in my opinion, Ryan. Mm-hmm. I think what I'm concerned about is it being a a Cal type of game, a second half against BYU type of game where you're not locked in, you're not focused, you give up some plays you shouldn't give, you give up some garbage touchdowns early because there was a blown coverage, you know, things like that. I, I think I'm I'm concerned about that. I, Notre Dame would have to play bad to lose to Stanford. I mean, this is not a good football team. But it's are not. they good enough on offense to make this a game? Yeah, they are. They can they score are. some points if they're yeah. if they're playing well and Notre Dame's yeah. not. Absolutely. Yeah. Robert Bishop says, why does Notre Dame never play Indiana? I, that's a good question, Robert. And I, I honestly don't know the answer. I'm going to actually look up and see what the, uh, the Indiana – Notre Dame rivalry has been because I mean I don't remember them playing it's been since the 90s that I remember Notre Dame playing Indiana to be completely honest with you in football hmm. uh yeah 1991 is the last time Notre Dame and Indiana played they've only ever they've played 29 times actually in in history uh but they played a like from 1950 to 58 they played five times they played they played a bunch like early on they played from 1898 to 1908 they played almost every year then from 1919 to 22, then they played three games late in 20 in the 20s, played three times in the in the 30s, t- three times in the 40s, and then a bunch in the 50s, and then they didn't play again until 1951. So mm-hmm. I don't I don't know why. I, I would imagine it has a lot to do with some of the Big Ten stuff, you know, and 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 their involvement. That's just a guess. The other thing too, Ryan, is I don't know what playing Indiana does for you. I'd rather play Purdue if I'm worried yeah, about playing exactly. in Indiana. Yeah, exactly. Much rather because there's history there. Yep. You know, there's history there. So, yeah, I'm I'm with you. 
if they have to play a team in Indiana, I mean, you can't play every single team in Indiana. And I mean, then you're going to, your schedule is going to be Northwestern, Illinois, Indiana, and, you know, and, and Purdue. And that's just I, not, I, I think we should play Indiana state, get the Sycamores in here. Yeah. There you go. Let's go for it. Might as well. And then Robert also said, I feel like Toby Gerhardt should have got the Heisman that year, not Mark Ingram. We said that earlier, that's Robert, yeah. Robert was the one that mentioned that in the chat that I brought up. I, I can't disagree. Can't disagree at all. He was so good that year. Toby was a monster. So man. good that year, and yeah. and on a and a, just an eh team. You know what I mean? Here's a question that I starred because there's a lot of talk about it, and people are asking Marcus Freeman about it yesterday. It really drives me nuts. Uh, Hulk Strongest says, "Can you guys give your honest opinion how uh, how would Drew Pine have done the first two games? Notre Dame still would have been zero and two. I agree. I mean, also- look, guys." We said at the time that the only time they did anything on offense it was because of Tyler Buckner. I mean, mm-hmm. he was the only offense they really had the first two games. Did he have did he have a some bad misses against Marshall? Yeah. But you know what? They brought Drew Pine off the bench in that and he hit a linebacker right in the chest. And let's not let's not act like Drew Pine lit the world on fire against Cal either. Notre Dame had 297 yards of offense against Cal. 297. Every, every- it's recency bias, Brian, because you look right. at the Cal game. I mean, people came out of the Cal game saying, like, Drew Pine stinks. That's what people yes. were saying, right? Because yes. he missed a couple yes. slide routes. He missed right. Michael Mayer, you know, in the in the seam. It, that, that's what it is right now, man. I, and what, honestly, I think it's unfair. What game was lowest yards per play game? going to assume it's Cal by that question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I just I, I think it's really unfair to Tyler Buckner because I'm still excited. I, if Tyler Buckner could stay healthy, and I know it's a big if at this point, but I still think he could be a really good football player. Yeah. I really do, man. And it's it's a shame because we're assuming that there would be no maturation for Tyler Buckner, right. that he would be sitting here and he would be the the, the same play, right, right, right. Like well, and then the insinuation that the offensive line just magically started playing better because Drew Pines in a quarterback yep. is the other thing that's frustrating. It's like. That makes no sense, number one. And number two, it's like this is a team that rushed for 147 yards against Cal. To put mm-hmm. all of that on Drew, on Drew, on Tyler Buckner, it's just – it's nonsense. And it's it's you taking your pre- – I'm not saying this about Hulk Strong. It's about a lot of people that have been making this case. You're taking yeah. your previous opinion of him and saying, well, that's why – you know, that's, that's, that's how it should have been. I didn't like him anyway. Like that's usually what I didn't like Buckner anyway, and then you followed up with you know how Drew Pine would have been. Like Drew Pine was terrible coming off the bench mm-hmm. against Marshall, and he was bad against Cal, mm-hmm. you know. But he got better. Imagine that he got better. And what did we call the North Carolina game, Ryan? What did we call that going into that game? Mm-hmm. What did we call in the North Carolina game? Do you remember what we called it? It's a get right game. Yeah. It's a get right game. Yeah, because yeah, their yeah. defense is yep. terrible. Sure was. You're telling me Tyler Buckner would have not played better by the, his fourth start against North Carolina? Come on now. Now I find it, had, I find it very hard to believe that Tyler Buckner would not have torched that North Carolina team in and the run and pass game. And BYU. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine sure. what he would have done on the perimeter against BYU? Now, does that take away from how good Drew Pine was the last two weeks? No, not at all. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. at all. And and I just what pisses me off, and I'm just gonna be honest with you, it pisses me off is people can't just enjoy that a kid is playing well. Yep. Why can't we just enjoy that Drew Pine is playing well without turning it into like how many people in this very chat after the blue gold game said that kid shouldn't even be on scholarship anymore? A lot. Remember that? A lot. And we defended yeah. him because like the dude is running from the end of one drive, sprinting down the field to the assistant coaches to get a play yep. to go lead the same, the opposite offense. And, oh, he stinks. He can never play. They got to get a grad transfer. Now 
he's a Heisman contender in some people's eyes, you know, and, and Tyler Buckner sucks and is never going to play again. It's just like, stop. Can we just enjoy the fact that Drew is playing well? Can we just do that without taking shots at another kid? That's what I'm trying to do right now, man. First two games. You know what I mean? Like, What would Drew Pine be looking like right now if his last game was against Ohio State? Right. 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 I know because quarterback such a confidence position, right. right? Like you need to be in rhythm. You need to be confident. And I mean, Tyler Buckner, look, he didn't play the well the first two games, but to, th- to think that there would not have been maturation of the team yeah. of him. But he did start eight of nine for 112 yards against Ohio state I know, I know. for all the, he didn't play well stuff. You know what I happened in the second that. half of that game? Their offensive line got their brains beat in and Tyler was getting hit when he was getting on top of his drops. Almost every single time they played, they, they dropped back the pass. Yeah. The line starts playing better. The offense plays better. Imagine that. Imagine that. But miraculously, with a mag- waving of his magic wand, Drew Pine went in at halftime of the Cal game, and that's the reason that they're playing better because, you know, Drew Pine waved his magic wand and the offensive line's playing better. Right? I, I, Ryan, there always has to be a one-sided versus the other, right? right. Like, it always has to happen. It, this is where I am, right? I wanted Tyler Buckman to be really good. He got hurt. It stunk. Right. Yeah. Drew Pine is playing well the last couple of games. That's great, man. Why is there yeah. why does there have to be a battle between the two right now? There will be a battle between the two potentially in the spring, sure. in the fall. Can we enjoy this be. now? And Can should we? be. And exactly. should be. Already through five games, both quarterbacks have earned the right to compete for the starting job next year. Mm-hmm. They have. I mean, Tyler did by earning the job. Like somebody asked Margaret Freeman, like, do you regret stuff? I'm like, first of all, even if he thought that. Do you really think he's going to say that in a yeah, you know what? We screwed up. We should have started Drew Pine. Come on, be serious. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's a question he was asked yesterday. Tyler Buckner earned that job. There's literally not a person within the program that I talked to that felt that Drew Pine should have been the starting quarterback. But you know what? Every person that I talked to also said, but if Drew's numbers called, he's going to play he well. Can get it done. Yeah. I've talked to an offensive player this summer who told me he was spent all this time praising Tyler Buckner. But then he was like, but you know what? Drew's a warrior. He's a great kid. If if so, if we need him, we're going to be okay. We got two starting quarterbacks. That's how the yep. players view it. But people turn into, well, you know, the players, they play for Pine. They played for Tyler yep. Buckner, too. They just didn't play well. But that did, without, I mean, if, if Drew Pine would have started and Notre Dame would have still been 0-2, and then yep. he gets hurt, Tyler Buckner takes over their 3-2, and and people be saying the same exact thing. Let's just enjoy that the fact that one kid is playing really well, and the unfortunate manner in which he got the job. Because you mm-hmm. really think Drew Pine said, man, I hope Buckner gets hurt because I want that job. Right. You know? No, he didn't. But you know what he did? When his number was called, he stepped up and was ready to go. And that's what we said he would be. What did we say this summer? Notre Dame can beat a lot of teams with Drew Pine at quarterback. Mm-hmm. What we don't know is if he can beat Ohio State, Clemson, and USC. Still don't know the answer to that. Yep. I hope he can. We still don't have the inter- the answer to that. So. And we'll, we will spend all offseason talking about Buckner versus Pine versus whoever else because there's going to be a battle. It's going to happen, right? Yes. And there's it's going to be a certain situation where I assume, as long as things keep trending in the right direction, Drew Pine's going to have a lot of confidence this offseason, right. right? He's going to have a lot right. of confidence. Tyler Buckner's going to be coming back from injury, trying to get his confidence back. And we'll see. We'll find out which guy right. is up to that challenge when it happens again. This is we'll another see. one. Yep. Tommy Reese – put together a couple pretty good game plans. His game plans the first two games were abysmal. Mm-hmm. Abysmal. 
And now maybe that's because he doesn't know how to really build a game plan around a kid like Tyler Buckner. That's a legitimate conversation to have. But it's also easier to game plan when you're playing North Carolina's defense and to a degree BYU's defense. So let's not forget about that. But look, Drew has done a great job. though. Not great job. He's done a really good job the last two games. Absolutely. There's some stuff he's going to clean up that we broke down last night that you would expect the young quarterback to get better at, just like we pointed out stuff that, that Tyler Buckner's got to do a better job. And, you know, but right now, Drew's their quarterback. That's the reality of it. And, Brian, and I'm not, after, after Buckner got hurt, after he got hurt, there were people in this chat. And again, right. love the chat, man. But there were people in the in the chat saying that we weren't going to win a game this year. There yes. were people that did that. There were people that are complaining about this team now that were like, they're going to be 4-8. They're not going to make a yeah. bowl game. Now talking about Drew Pine as being some kind of – like, you know, like they played bad teams. Mm-hmm. Right. And they've done what they've needed to do against bad defense. I should not bad teams. They played good teams. They've played yes. bad defenses. Yes. And Drew did exactly what you're supposed to do to a bad defense. Right. Mm-hmm. And he did what he needed to do and he helped them get two wins. And I, I got nothing but love for Drew Pine. Nothing 100%. but love for Drew Pine. I'm just tired of the whole, okay, so let's rip Tyler Buckner. As if Tyler Buckner's the reason that they couldn't stop the run in the fourth quarter against Ohio State. Or the fact that you know you you know you're throwing balls to receivers and you're getting long plays and it comes back because of offensive pass interference, or because guys quit on routes, or because your offensive line can't block. Yeah, that's all Tyler Buckner's fault. Come on now, it's just it's frustrating. It's very mm-hmm. frustrating. It's like you just how about we just enjoy the win and the kids are out there right now. Imagine that. Detroit Hunter says, Brian, how would you push Drew to grow in this offense, encouraging him to look elsewhere besides Michael Mayer in his second read? I think it's just, I think it's really just about experience, honestly. And I think, I think, I think what we saw Saturday against BYU, Ryan, is going to be great for him because he did just throw a ball up to Jaden Thomas and he got rewarded for it. Right. You saw him go to ship, go to Jaden Thomas over the seam, go to Lorenzo Sauer over the seam. I think it's just about getting success. Knowing that, hey, when I throw the ball to these guys, they're going to make plays. I, Ryan, I really think that's what it is. It's just, it's just comfort in the offense, comfort in the system, and then you just remind them, hey, stick with the read, stick with the read, stick with the read. I think those are the big things that that uh, you know that I that I want to see from from more from Drew Pine moving mm-hmm. forward is just more comfort in the system. And look, because when you're young and you're not real experienced and you're in a third down situation, guess what you're going to do? Where's my dude? Right. Where's 87? Let me find 87. But as the game wore on, there were more more times that he went other places. Mm-hmm. But when the game was really clutch again, he still went back to Mayer and it cost him. So how do you get him to do that? Show that play again. Sit in the film room and show that play again. Show how open Holden Stace was. And he's like, yeah, you know what? I got to trust this. I got to trust the system, and I got to trust all my teammates. And I think the fact that some of his teammates rewarded him with some big-time plays on Saturday, the flip to Aldrich Estime, the 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 one-on-one to Jaden Thomas, the seam routes to Thomas and, 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 uh, and, and Styles, those are the things that are going to help him gain more confidence in his teammates. So trust the system more. Trust all your teammates. None of them have let you down so far. And then just the experience of, okay, I remember what happened last time. And then just getting better. That's really what it boils down to. And then the more comfortable he gets, Ryan, the more things you can do if you're Tommy Reese. You know, there's different things. Hey, look, you know, you didn't really – I mean, think about where they were against Cal to where they are now, where they didn't attempt a single pass beyond, like, what, 12 yards to a wide receiver Mm -hmm. in that Cal game, right? Yep. 
to where now they're throwing seam routes and backside seams and climbs and go routes. And, and they did it against North Carolina too. They were aggressive against North Carolina throwing down the field. They just didn't hit any, right? Well, it hit the one to South. Well, they hit a few more this game, you know, all that stuff's going to be important. And, and, and it's all part of the evolution, but you know what? It, it comes down to the end of it. Still, it's all about the offensive line. Mm-hmm. It, it, that's what it boils down to. Cause here's the thing I also say, you say, how would Drew Pine be? How what would Notre Dame's record be if Drew Pine started at quarterback? My question is, what would Notre Dame's record be if the offensive line would have played against Ohio State and Marshall like it did against North Carolina and Cal and BYU? Mm-hmm. And be undefeated. That's that's the reality of it. At worst, four and one. Yeah. Mike Huff asks, Well, James Madison is better than we are, apparently. Oh, and North Carolina got twice as many top 20 votes as we got. It's a joke. Mike, I agree that it's a joke. Those are not two that I'm going to disagree with, however. like Here's my thing on top 25 rankings, and you tell me if you disagree. I think people put way too much emphasis on head-to-head. Head-to-head matters, but you got to look equal. at the entirety of the resume. North Carolina's resume is a good is a top 25 resume as a whole. Mm-hmm. They bounced back from their name loss and destroyed Virginia Tech and then went on the road and beat Miami and outplayed Miami start to finish. Mm-hmm. Right, they have a top twenty-five resume. Notre Dame is three and two, with a loss to Marshall. I think Notre Dame can make a case for being in the top twenty-five. I had them twenty-six. I had them right outside the top twenty-five. I had North Carolina and James Madison in the top twenty-five. Now, the James Madison one is interesting because here's the reality, Ryan. They have yet to beat a. They have yet to beat a Power Five team. Mm-hmm. But but the the argument that I made uh, in, in my and my Irish breakdown top 25, which I put on the message board is you kind of have to look at some of the, with a team like that, who doesn't have a win over a, a top 25 team. You have to look a little bit, a little bit deeper in my opinion, Ryan, and, and look at more of the, okay, well, how have they played kind of thing? And, and when, and I'm trying to find the post I made on this because somebody asked about it yesterday and I want to, I want to pull up the point that I made to kind of, support why I had James Madison in the top 25. And, and it really comes down to, you got to look at the dominance in which they've had against the teams that they have played. Mm-hmm. And so pulling, pulling up that post, just give me one second, Ryan, I'm going to pull this up. So here's the argument that I made last night about James Madison. Okay. And again, it's somewhat transitive property, but not really. It's more about just context. Cause it's not saying that means they could beat Ohio state. That's not what I'm saying. But here's the here's the point I made about James Madison, and I'll just read it word for word. Uh, this explains why I had him. And I said, look, the knock on JMU is they have no wins over Power 5 teams, so let's get that out of the way. But if they did have a Power 5 win, I'd have them even higher than 25. They'd be in the top 15. I said they've been they've been that dominant. Their best win is a 32 to 28 road win at App State, and they came back from being down 28 to three, which matters to me. I said they dominate everyone else. They blew out Middle Tennessee State 44 to seven. They blew out Texas State 40 to 13, and they blew out Arkansas State 42 to 20. Now we have some criteria that we can use to evaluate those three particular wins, and here's where I'm coming from. They beat Middle Tennessee State 44 to seven. They outgained Middle Tennessee 548 to 119. Middle Tennessee State then went on to beat Miami 45 to 31 and outgained Miami 507 to 367. They beat Texas State 40 to 13 and outgained them 460 to 246. 
Baylor beat Texas beat Texas State 42 to 7 and outgained them 501 to 268. Very similar. Now keep in mind, however, that Texas State scored on the last play of the game against James Madison. It was 40 to 7. They scored literally with zero seconds on the clock to make it 40 to 13. Very similar to the Baylor score. They also beat Arkansas State 42 to 20. They outgained, now think hear this. They outgained Arkansas State 598 to 267. Ohio State beat Arkansas State 45 to 12. They outgained uh, uh, Arkansas State 538 to 276. So James Madison had 60 more yards than Ohio State, and they gave up nine more yards than Ohio State against the same team. So those things to me pro- provide context to say yes, they are a power. Five, they are not a power five team. They have beat no power five opponents. But the teams that they have played, they have dominated like you'd expect a top 25 team to dominate those particular opponents. And so to me, that's why I felt like James Madison so far has deserved to be ranked in the top 25. And now I have them 25th because they, ha- they don't have a power five win. But when you when you beat teams, the, and you know who has the number one rush defense in the country right now? It's James Madison. They've given up like 40 yards a game rushing. They are a really good football team right now. Can that last over 12 games? I have no idea. But right now, through five games, I believe they deserve that, Ryan. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I think you're a Virginia homer. That's my only thought. True, true, true. Very true. Can't deny that. Still doesn't say anything about what I just said, but yes. (laughs) Hey, man, they're undefeated. They're dominating everybody that's put in front of them. And you could say they don't have a Power 5 win, but also they're not a Power 5 team, right? So they're beating teams that are on their level and dominating those victories. So I'm okay with it for now because I think people do get hung up on the fact of like, hey, top 25 rankings, it's not that simply – this team is better than that team, right? right. It's a resume thing. It's right. based upon or what this you've team done on would the field. be that team if they 100%. played. Well, they don't play. Yes. That, I, exactly. Because exactly. if that's the case, Ryan, then Alabama should never not be in the college football playoff. Right. Ever. Because if Alabama loses three team, games yeah. this year, they should still be in the college football playoff because if they were matched up on any, they can beat anybody on any given Saturday. Mm-hmm. And that's just not the, it's what have you done against the schedule that's in front of you? And they have dominated that schedule. And also, yeah. if you want to if you want to be ahead of James Madison and ahead of North Carolina, should be playing better consistently right. throughout the season so far. Don't I mean, lose to Marshall. Yeah, right. Can, can we that. also like can we also like do a hat tip right now to James Madison going from FCS yes. football to what they're doing now? Like, good job, man. This is year one for them. I know, man. The FBS I level, know. Ryan. It's they might nuts. be a legit team down the line, man. If they're doing this year one, yeah. like it's possible. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's interesting. Very interesting. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Robert Bishop also says uh, he has a mailbag question. In your opinion, where do you think Matt Rule ends up, and where do you think he'd do the best at? I have no idea, man. I mean, so so the the, the so how let's say this right. Open. How is he a yeah. fit at the programs that are open? Okay, so you've got Nebraska, mm-hmm. you've got Georgia Tech, right? Mm-hmm. You've got Arizona State, you have Colorado, and mm-hmm. then I'm I'm Wisconsin. Yeah. Okay. So of those schools, which one do you think Matt Rule is the best fit at? I kind of like Georgia Tech or Arizona State for him. I'm not like I I think that he would be a fine fit at like Nebraska, for instance. Reclamation project guy. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, that's and also I think Matt Rule is a really good recruiter too, right? And I think that he could do well in the Georgia recruiting pipeline. I think he could do well in Arizona, tapping into that improving pipeline as well. So yeah, I mean he's he's literally taken 
a couple bad programs in the past and flipped them around pretty quickly, man. Yes. Like it's it's awesome to see what Dave Aranda has done at Baylor, continuing that. But let's not mm-hmm. act like Baylor didn't have some talent when Dave Aranda came in, right? That's because Matt Rule, if we're right. being honest, right? I think Dave Aranda is an excellent coach. I think he's taking him to the next level. But right. all that being said, is that I think Matt Rule is a really good college football coach. So take him to Arizona. Start putting a little bit of a fence around the state of Arizona that's producing better talents. I think he'll do a nice job. Do a really you know nice what job. he did at Texas? Uh, that, here's what, here was the thing that when he got hired. I was like, what? That, that fit doesn't make any sense. This is a Northeastern dude. I don't get that fit. But one of the first things he did is he hired a bunch of Texas high school football coaches to be assistant yep. coaches, to be back staff, to be analysts, because he understood we got if we're going to have success here, we have to make sure that the people in the state love us. Charlie Strong never did that. Never yeah. did that. Mm-hmm. And that's partly why he failed. Steve Sarkeesian understands the importance of doing that. And Matt Rule, so he would go to Arizona, to your point, and he would go hire one of the top high school coaches to be an assistant coach. He would hire some other guys to be the back staff. He would go to every – Matt Rule would go to every single coach's clinic in the state. I mean, he does stuff like that. He would understand that. I don't lo- – I think that – I don't love the Nebraska fit, but I don't know who I like for Nebraska right now. I almost feel I mean, like I don't Lance, know if I, if, Lance Leopold if you can yeah, get him, but yeah. yeah, I mean I'd still say maybe you need to think about Craig Bowl, you know, uh, from Wyoming maybe. I mean, he's you know whose name now, I, but... I saw got thrown out there, Brian was uh, Mike Minter that coaches down at Campbell, which is interesting. Not not for the, the former not... the, the former uh, safety, he, yeah, at Nebraska yeah. for yeah. what position? I don't know if it was a defensive coordinator position bringing him in gotcha. or type of thing, or if it was a, a all the way jump to head coach. But a decent, it, he's done a decent job at Campbell, so that's an interesting yeah. one. Is uh, he the head coach at Campbell? He's the head coach at Campbell. Interesting, yeah. very yeah. interesting. That would be a very Nebraska move to t- to get an alum, and I yep. actually think that's a school where an alum could do well. Scott Frost did not do well because he's an alum. He did not. He did not do well because he's just not a good person. He's not a good person. I mean, yeah. that's just the reality of it. Who's lazy and 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 just has no discipline whatsoever as a human being, much less as a first program. Is, so, is, is Turner Gill still coaching? You need to call. Turner I don't Gill think up. so. I don't have a, I don't that's so a good, I have no clue. I, I like, you know, a job that I think that where I could see Matt. See, here's the thing. What does Matt rule want to do? What, this is my question. What's, what are his career goals now that the NFL didn't work? Cause it was a pretty, I mean, let's be honest, Ryan. It was a, a poorly kept secret that Matt rule wanted to coach in the NFL. Yeah. Very poorly kept secret. When he mm-hmm. was at Temple, that was a poorly kept secret. My question is, does he still want to do that? Or has what he went through in Carolina get that out of his system? I think that, to me, is going to determine what job he's going to take. If he is in a situation, you know what? I did that thing. I'm now in a position where I just want to go find a place that I can call home. Then yeah. Nebraska is a great place to potentially do that. Colorado could be a really good place to do that because of the expectations that are now. You know, like, look, I'm I'm starting from scratch. Like we said, he's a reclamation project guy, right? And there is no bigger reclamation project at the Power Five level than Colorado. Would you agree with that? Uh, it's awful. It is a barren wasteland yeah. right now. Yeah. So you know, he's got some unique uh, connections now that could maybe help him get to Texas and whatever else. So I mean, yeah. it just depends. But if he wants to go somewhere to kind of win quickly, to then mm-hmm. springboard to another job, then Arizona State and Georgia Tech are the best options for me. You, t- one funny thing and then one actual comments. Okay. The one funny thing is I saw someone said that Matt Rule would just be an analyst for Nick Saban next season, which oh would be gosh. pretty funny. <laughs> pretty He's funny. gonna be an analyst for Nick Saban by the end of next week. Uh, I mean, you know true. what I mean? So in the way that Saban works with all this stuff. So uh yeah. let's see. We we had super chat down here, a couple super chats here. We had one from Chris Irway. 
he says if Marcus Freeman is the type of coach that is willing to step on opponent, it is Marcus Freeman the type of coach that's willing to step on opponent's throats. Odds we see 45-10. Excited to see everyone on Saturday. You know, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know the answer to that because we haven't seen them be in the position to do that. Like they went up on North Carolina 38-14, to right? Mm-hmm. But then Carolina kind of came right back down and scored. And it was kind of a game again. And I thought that I thought that Notre Dame in that instance, I, I, I didn't get the sense in that game that Notre Dame necessarily got conservative after that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, I mean, on their next drive, they went eight plays and and went down. I mean, they they ran on them, but you know, you had the second and five pass to Michael Mayer up the seam for twenty yards, and then but they ran on them because they were just running on them. You know, and then and obviously turned it over on downs, and then they scored on their next drive. I mean, they were running the ball, but I don't feel like. I felt like that was kind of trying to step on their throats. Like we're going to physically humiliate you. I don't feel it was like just running the clock out per se. So I don't really know if we have an answer to that. I, I, I have my doubts just because of his overall philosophy on offense and things that he said, but I, I don't know if I can honestly answer that to be honest with you, Ryan. I don't think anybody can. I mean, I don't, I don't think that there was any indication that he won't do that. It's just right. to your point. It hasn't been a perfect situation where he got, has gotten the opportunity to do that. I, I don't think that we've really – I mean, we haven't seen the, in my opinion, of like a very conservative approach to the end of football games yet. But to your point, like yeah. we just haven't been a part of that football game yet where you're just like he had a chance to strengthen that lead to 28 points and really put the finishing touches and put the nail in the coffin, step on the throat, whatever cliche you want to use. So I think it's a to-be-determined. I don't really have a yeah. good indicator on it either. Yep, agree. Uh, there was a question too here from Zach Martin about uh, talking about the – Matt Rule, and he said, "What does Matt Rule fit at Auburn? I don't know who fits at Auburn. That is a weird job. That is not a job that I would touch. I don't know. I mean, you have a very unrealistic – here's why. You have an insanely unrealistic group of boosters Mm -hmm. who have way too much control, and I'd want no part of that. I'd want no part of that, to be honest with you. That is a weird job, man, because like I feel like it's usually two extremes. It's like – do you want the young, vibrant, up-and-coming coach, or do you want the wily veteran that's kind of been there, done that? I don't know which one I would rather for that job. I really don't know. Yeah. I don't uh, – I, I really don't know who would – I don't know. I would If I was a big-time coach at the Division One level that was ascending, like if I'm Jamie Chadwell or something like that, I'd want mm-hmm. no part of that job. Yeah. No. And even if Nick Saban retired tomorrow, I'd want no part of that job. Because it, 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 it's, it's just – it's always been that way. In my opinion, you have a very unrealistic expectation of who you are, in my opinion. That doesn't mean you shouldn't demand championships, but it's like a coach can win a championship and be fired two years later. Not for conduct like Ed Orgeron, Mm -hmm. but just because you never liked him to begin with. (laughs) I mean, that's why Gene Chizik got fired. He wasn't a very good coach. I get that. But still, it's like a a title doesn't get you even any more grace than that. You You know, look. Gus Malzahn did some pretty good things there for a period of time. I mean, he always had them competitive. Yep. Then they kick him out, and guess what? They're not competitive anymore. Guess shocker. I, I can tell you one thing I know for certain. I don't know who is the best option for Auburn long-term, but I know it is not Brian Harson. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Yep. That, that was always true. Yes. Uh, super chat from Tommy Guns. Happy belated Columbus Day, y'all. Thank you, Tommy, very much for that. Haven't seen Tommy uh, in a while. So we're, we're glad to, or at least we, he's been in the chats, but just hasn't talked a ton in the chat. So we appreciate seeing that. Uh, D rock Irish also said, there's a couple comments of the top 25. I want to talk about. He said, D rock says, um, 
Uh, need, their name needs to be at least six and two to crack the top 25. Look, there's a lot of two loss teams in the top 25. Yeah. Uh, I don't agree with that. I would say that I still need to see one more game of really strong play. If they go out there and whoop Stanford, depending on – I will probably jump Notre Dame in the top 25. And another comment was from somebody was, if Notre Dame played James Madison, they'd win by three touchdowns. Uh, sure. <laughs> maybe. I mean, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. Like, okay. James Matt, what you know, what what league is James Madison in, Ryan? They're Sunbelt, right? Are they Sunbelt okay. team now? I uh, think so. Are they not clearly the best team in the Sunbelt right now? Oh, easy. Yeah. Uh, who who Notre Dame lost Ohio State right Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Who's the mm-hmm. other team that Notre Dame lost to this year? <laughs> Marshall. What conference are they from? Conference USA. Nope. Oh, they're in the Sun Belt now. Oh, they they're are in the Sun Belt now. now. You're yep. right. I'm an idiot. Yep. yep. So uh, no, they were in Conference USA. So you're not an idiot. You yeah. just you know trying to. But look, the reality is you can't tell me that the team lost to Marshall and got outplayed for four quarters by Marshall uh, should be in in the top twenty five over a team that is the best conference best team in the an undefeated team in the best conference of a team that beat Notre Dame at home. Mm-hmm. Could Notre mm-hmm. Dame beat JMU by three touchdowns? Of course. Notre Dame could beat a lot of teams in the top 25 by three touchdowns if they play their game. Sure. But the fact is is Notre Dame has not played a f- complete game yet. Now part of it is Ryan they've played really good teams each week. Mm-hmm. You can't sleepwalk through a game against the teams they've played like you can in Arkansas State or a Texas State or some of these, you know, Southern University like some of these other teams have played. You had to bring it every week because every single team that Notre Dame has played this year is capable of beating them. I don't know if anyone else at the, at the, the major level can say that. I really don't. But Notre Dame hasn't always handled their business, and James Madison has. So, But top 25 ranking should not be about – well, if this team played that team, they they would beat them. So, it, but that's it not does, who they've done so far. It also doesn't erase the resume, right? Right. Like, let's say that they did play. Notre Dame goes to four and two. They still lost to Marshall, right? And then you look at a, you look at James Madison would be four and one, five and one, whatever they are right now, and they've taken care of business in every other spot, right? Like, it doesn't change the resume. Head to heads don't. We're not playing. We're not doing the transitive property thing. Like we're not doing right. that. I, I get it. I get it. But it's not how right. that works. Now, no. if you whoop Stanford, then I'm then like okay, I'm I'm on board with that, right? Sure. I'm on board with it because again, there's there's my top twenty five. I had four and two Washington State in there. I mean, there's a lot of top, there's a lot of two lost teams in the top twenty five in college football right now, Ryan. I mean, I'm just looking at it now. You've got one, two, three for sure in the top twenty five. That's the AP. North Carolina is at, the coaches poll has four in the top twenty-five, and then you look at the teams right next. North Carolina is next in line with uh, one loss. Then Baylor's got two losses. Coastal Carolina is undefeated, and they are a very mediocre six and zero team. I did not consider them for my top twenty-five. BYU's got two losses, and then you have Notre Dame with two losses. Then Florida with two losses. Tulane has one. Purdue has two. Florida State has two. South Carolina has two. Washington State has two. Minnesota has one. Maryland has two, LSU has two, San Jose has one. Those are the teams that also got votes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of teams. Like, and honestly, I don't think I had Cincinnati in my top 25. Cincinnati has been incredibly unimpressive going five and one so far this year. Yeah. I mean, they got outplayed this past weekend. I'm trying to, th- I'm trying to think who they played. South Florida. Yeah, they did. It was like 28 24, right? Yeah. Like yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, very, very, very unimpressive uh, game for them, no doubt about I, it. Let's get. I, I saw someone say that head to head should matter. They do. They it do does. matter. No, no, but it's not. Never everything. said it doesn't matter. I think yeah. people put too much emphasis on it. If resumes right. are similar, they don't have to be the same. If resumes are similar, 
It's a tiebreaker. Yeah. Then it is right. definitely something that matters to me. Mm-hmm. But it's it can't be the end all be all because there's so many things that factor into it. You know what I mean? Like did injuries, where was the game played? You know, there's all types of things. You're just a better matchup for them than you are than than you would be for a team that they beat, for example. So it, it has to matter. Head to head has to matter. I mean, otherwise, what are we playing the games for? It has to matter. It just can't be the 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 like I feel like ESPN tries to turn it into like this trump card that they use when it suits them, right? So well, yeah, you know, so someone had to, but it didn't matter to ESPN when Notre Dame beat Michigan in 2018, right? You know, oh, you know, but Michigan's playing so much better now than they did then, right? So people use it, you know, for however however to suit their needs, right? But you know, head to head matters. It's just not the end all be all. It's Great. in the top three or four, and you know if if it. It can be, like you said, it can be a thing. It can sway me. But when I look at a team like Carolina that's 5-1, and 4-1 and one really in my eyes because I don't count FCS games, they're 4-1. and one. They've got some really good wins under their belt, and they don't have a bad – they've played a team like Marshall and didn't lose to them, right? And so uh, a better team than Marshall in App State went on the road and beat App State. And, you know, Notre Dame lost to a similar team that's not even as good as that in the same conference. So I'm not just I'm not quite there yet. I'm not quite there yet with that. All right, let's get to some more here, Ryan. We got a few more. Um, John A. One mailbag. Jaden Thomas and Lorenzo Styles seem to both be the most confident in the slot. So is Salerno. How does Notre Dame handle that? I think with 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 there's things you can do, Ryan. I think mm-hmm. I would like to see more bunch stuff, uh, more stack stuff because I think in stack you're kind of getting similar things from them. You're not just like like here's where they're neither has shown to be great so far. Just lining up on the outside and winning off the line. Neither's real good at that. I yeah. think there's some things you can do with them both outside. Run game wise with Jaden outside, you know, there's some there's some screen stuff that you can do with those guys, some jet stuff that you can do where where you can have Jaden be a, a blocker on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he's focused, he's a he's a decent blocker. He's inconsistent, but when you know he should be a better blocker than he's been, but he's got some potential there. Yep. I, I think personnel groupings, like when I'm an eleven personnel, honestly, I wouldn't have both of them on the field. I wouldn't. I would have some scenarios where out of maybe 12 personnel, I'd have Jaden in the, in, in the game, or maybe I'd put him in the slot in certain looks with one of my tight ends outside. I mean, I think there's different things you can do, uh, you know, to, to have them out there. But I just, you know, I, I think Jaden Thomas is still playing. I mean, look, he did some nice things against BYU, but I still think he needs to split more reps with Tobias Merriweather and and once Deion Colsey gets healthy. I mean, just – and then do some things with there in the, in the game together. Go big mm-hmm. and put him in the slot. You know, or, or I, imagine that. I mean, imagine they just came and... out. Yeah, imagine they just came out in a series and just threw an eleven personnel look at a team. Michael Mayer at tight end, Jaden Thomas slot in the slot, Tobias Merriweather at X, and Deion Colsey at W. Just go mm-hmm. big for a series and see what they do. You know, mm-hmm. and and have some fun with it. So, I mean, that's where you talk about getting creative with your personnel. And when you don't have a guy who's just way better than everybody else, and let's be honest, there, Jaden Thomas. Yeah, he had a nice game. I hope it's a breakout, but that doesn't mean that you then still don't play other guys with Matt Salerno. I mean, his reps need to be limited. He needs to be a five to 10 snap guy. That's just the reality of it. Mm-hmm. Just the reality of it. We did see mayor playing a lot outside on Saturday. So that's the other thing is you can do more 11 personnel where you have two guys in the slot, mm-hmm. put mayor outside, go two by two and have mayor, out, have mayor outside, yeah. do some stuff that way. And for the love of God, can we please throw Michael Mayer a fade in the in the red zone? 
Like, like that, like uh, why? You know what? Line Michael Mayer up at the three yard line, and if you want, if you're dead set on getting him the ball at the, uh, on third and goal from the three, just line him outside and throw a freaking fade. Why are you trying to run a tunnel screen? Okay, working against Ross State. That's like it's like a two point play. You used it once. Okay, you 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 used that one in game one. Don't go back to it against a team that has a pulse because ain't gonna yeah. work, and it didn't. But here's what you do: stop trying to outsmart everybody and say that dude is not getting stopped in a one on one by anyone in this arena right no one so i'm just gonna throw him a fade but that doesn't show everyone how smart i am that's why i think they don't do stuff you, like that you, you know who would definitely throw michael mayer a fade stanford quarterbacks stanford yes 100 all day michael mayer would have 10 plus catches for two years in a row, 10 plus touchdown catches two years in a row if he played for under david shaw 100%. because he would just he every time they get inside the 10 yard line he'd throw him a fade and I feel like if you don't do that at least once every time you're inside the 10, that's like a derelict of duty. Like you, it just should be a must. Like that's what I would do. If I was Martin, hey, look, when we get inside the 10, if you don't throw at least one, you get you get one play. If you run more than one play and one of those is not some sort of fade or some sort of – and it doesn't have to be a fade. It can be a corner route from inside where you, th- you, know, you throw it up to him high. It could be things like that. But if you don't take a shot into the end zone with Michael Mayer at least once, every time you get inside the 10 – Mm-hmm. You don't want to know what's going to happen, because because what's the adjustment, happen. Brian? We always talk about how it's a numbers game, right? right. There will be some points where I mean, I know you've seen the picture of Calvin Johnson when they used to put two guys of, in, in, against him in the boundary in the in the red zone, right? At some point, they're going to roll over an extra guy to stop Michael Mayer, and what's that mean, folks? That means that you are a number short somewhere, right? You're a one on one matchup somewhere. Create matchups for yourselves. Don't outsmart the opponents. Out scheme mm-hmm. them, right? Like out player them like that's just ah, Michael Mayer is such a mismatch potential man and that mismatch is not just to your point Brian like it's not just the fact of like hey one-on-one I'll take his take his chances it's also Mm -hmm. a mismatch as in defenses have to say how are we going to stop that right we have to stop that somehow we're going to throw an extra guy over there and that means numbers are not good in other spots right so yeah I I agree it's it should be an emphasis in some world some world has to be yeah has to be has to be has to be all right, let's. We got some more here. We got some really good questions today. Uh, Ladarius Martin says, Brian and Ryan, when Texas and Oklahoma join the SEC and we get our permanent pods, do you think that Auburn and Florida should be in the same pod to bring that rivalry back? Now, they don't have to be in a pod to still play each other every year, correct? Under right. the pod system, don't isn't think there so. like another rivalry that they game that they like crossover thing that they would have? I'm pretty I don't sure. Know. I don't know. I mean, is that, I don't know. Honestly, Ladarius, I don't know enough about that rivalry to know if it would be worth bringing back. And that's, you know, if it's something that SEC fans are clamoring for, then you should always look, Ryan, you should always take rivalries into consideration when you're readjusting your conference mm-hmm. and make sure that, that the longstanding passionate rivalries are not gone. If, if you're, if you're losing those as a conference, then you're an idiot. Now what I'm referring to is not, the SEC should have cared about making A&M and Texas still rivals when Texas A&M left the Big 12 and joined the SEC. I don't care about that conference. But mm-hmm. now that A&M and Texas are back, yes, that should be a rivalry that you continue. So should Texas-Oklahoma. You should not go away from those things if they're rivalries that, that bring passion because that's what makes for a good regular season. I yep. just don't personally know about enough about that rivalry. Now, what I do know is Auburn gave Urban Meyer fits with Tommy Tuberville early in Urban Meyer's tenure. People forget this, but Auburn's the team that beat Florida in 06. The only team that beat Florida in 06 when they won the national title. Auburn beat them by like 10, I think. It wasn't it, Ryan? Didn't they beat them like – I'm going to look it up now, but then they beat them like Sounds 27 right. to um, 
to uh, 17, I think, is is what it was. So who was the who was the quarterback for Auburn back then? Do you remember? I'm gonna find. Yeah, it was 27 to 17. Mm-hmm. And Chris Lee is Brandon Cox was the oh, quarterback. Brandon Cox. He blocked the punt. He was a, he was a lefty, game. right? Brandon Cox? I believe so. Yeah. Courtney Taylor was one of the receivers. Rodriguez Ooh. Smith. Yeah. Kenny Irons was playing, was a running back was for them. Anthony Mix on that team, the other wide receiver? Uh, no. He, well, he, that big kid? No, he, yeah. I, he didn't catch any balls in that game uh, if gotcha. he was. But uh, he had Brad Lester and Kenny Irons at running back. So Kenny Irons yeah. was a good player. Yeah. Auburn. They blocked the punt in that game. So yeah, that was a uh, they they gave them some problems back then. There's no doubt they had a couple other really co- close competitive games as well. So is, is it Flo- yeah. Florida? Florida Georgia is a bigger rivalry than that one is though. Isn't oh sure, it? sure. Yeah. But it's more about a lot of the SEC has secondary rivalries. Sure. So like Alabama Auburn's a big rivalry, but so is Alabama Tennessee, right? And yeah, so there's right. a lot of those like secondary rivalries in the SEC that are like, yes, this is our big one, but. We also have that one. So, like Tennessee's, mm-hmm. I, I believe Tennessee's biggest rival is Alabama, correct? Even though Alabama's their number two, and then their second biggest rival is Kentucky. I don't think I was about I think, to say Kentucky. I, think, I knew it was, a big but I think one. that's more of a regional one. I thought I, I could be wrong, could be. but it I just remember right. talking to some Tennessee people that like Bama's their big rivalry, Kentucky's their other rivalry. So, you in most right. instances, that they have a second rival in their like the big teams do. I I've always felt that way anyway. I think the yeah. Big Ten is unique that way. That that other than Michigan is really like the only team in the Big Ten the, of the power teams that have like a, a second rival. Like Ohio State doesn't have a second rival, right? Michigan State doesn't have a second rival, but Michigan does. They've got two mm-hmm. in, in Ohio State and Michigan State. And I don't know of any other Big Ten team that has that. To be honest with you, and, and there aren't many teams are, but the SEC has a lot of that, and I like that. Like, like USC, who's the other rival to? Who's the other long-term game that's considered a rivalry for USC in the Pac-12? There isn't one. I mean, they play the same teams every year, but there's not one that's considered a rivalry. USC's second yeah. rivalry is out of conference. Mm-hmm. Like the thing that's unique about the SEC is a lot of those rivalries are in conference. You know what yep. I mean? So like Florida's unique because Florida's got Florida Georgia, but then their second rivalry is an out of conference game. But like mm-hmm. that's what makes the Tennessee and the Alabama stuff unique is that their second rival is a, is a, also a conference game, which I find I find interesting. I do find that very interesting. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all. It's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Here's a question. Ben Tarnowski asked this, Ryan, at the end of our quarterback debate. He says, yeah. with all of this, would you still bring in a transfer for 2023? As of right now, yes. absolutely. And I would, as of right now, I would bring in a transfer that will compete for the starting job. Having said that, if Drew Pine takes his team on a roll, 
and they beat Clemson, they beat USC, he goes to the postseason, and they play in the Orange Bowl, and they win. Actually, it can't be the Orange Bowl. Isn't the Orange Bowl one of the playoff games this year? One of the New Year's Six Bowls that's not a playoff game. So, like, it can't be the Fiesta, whichever ones are not. Mm-hmm. Then I would I would probably rethink the whole bring a guy in to battle for the starting job. Because by that point in time, I think Drew would have earned to be, like, if it's not going to be Tyler, it's going to be him. Because, like, I have two thoughts. Number one, I don't think a guy should automatically lose a job because of an injury. Unless that injury opened the door for Trevor Lawrence or mm-hmm. Joe Burrow, right? Lou Gehrig. Right, right. <laughs> you get Wally pipped. Okay, that's a different situation. Right. So Tyler deserves to be in the mix. Drew deserves to be in the mix right now, but I don't think he's done enough again, based on who they've played, Ryan, to say, okay, yeah, don't need to bring in a starter now. Let's see how they do. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, they're going to need to run the table with him for me to say, you know what? You need a you need a grad transfer, but it's like this past year where I said, look, bring in a grad transfer, but it's not a guy that I care about coming in and compete for a starting job. Because I right. felt like Drew and Tyler had earned the right to battle for that. Tyler's mm-hmm. injury changes things. Because to your point earlier, Ryan, look, I think Tyler Buckner, if he stays healthy and gets experience, can be a really good quarterback. Yep. But he's both of those things are fails this year. He's mm-hmm. not going to get the experience. And this is now basically the third time in five years. So, no, six years. So he had uh, sophomore, junior, senior, freshman, sophomore. No, third time in five years that he's going to miss an entire – basically almost an entire season of football of just development. No, once was not his fault. Can't sure. blame him for senior years. COVID deal, right? Can't blame him for that. But he missed a sophomore year and now this year. And then in one of those non of those five years, he was just a guy that they brought in as a situational player. He's way played one full season of high school football or a football in five years. That's a lot of lost development. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's hard for me to say, yeah, I'm just going to trust that he's going to be healthy next year and, and develop. I just, I can't not when you're trying to compete for a championship. And right now drew pine making three starts against three good, but not great teams and playing good, but not elite yet is not enough for him to have locked that down. But the he'll have, the reason I say that is Ryan, the only way Notre Dame runs the table, from I mean, literally beats everyone they play and wins a major bowl game is if Drew Pine looks the rest of the season like he's looked the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. That that That's it. And if he does that for 10 games, 11 games, and it's hard for me to say, yeah, now go get a grad transfer to give him that and give that guy the job. Or, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? I just, I don't know if I'm going to feel, because, and it, it's a lot of it's about chemistry. It's about your locker room, you know, and, and that's a big part of it too, for me. I mean, if you've got a guy at quarterback, like Georgia, for whatever reason, the Georgia players just never connected with JT Daniels. It just they were just better when Stetson Bennett played. Now, no one in their right mind should argue that that Stetson Bennett's a better talent than JT Daniels. But those Georgia kids just play for Stetson better, right? That's just a proven fact of a period of time. And and because of the transfer aspect of it, maybe that can happen. It just depends on what Drew does. It, it just does. If they drop a game or two, then then all bets are off because this is about winning championships is, is really what it boils down to. And it will also depend, Ryan, on who that grad transfer is or who the transfer is. I mean, if we're being honest, yep. you know, like, I love you, man. You led us to a a, a, a Cotton Bowl victory, but, uh, you know, C.J. Stroud wants to play his last year at Notre Dame. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, sorry, partner. Could but you that imagine? guy's not out there. But that yeah. guy's not out there, Ryan. 
you know, he's just not, right not out there. Yeah. So, and you say, oh, well, what about if it's Caleb Williams? Well, if if what I just said is true, then Drew Pine went on the road and beat Caleb Williams at his place, right? And so um, that's just my stance on that. So I just got to see how the rest of the season plays out. But it's a very good question. But as of right now, Ryan and I both agree that, yes, you definitely do. You definitely okay. do. Uh, and Robert Bishop has a great comment here, Ryan. After watching the backup quarterback play of Oklahoma, really make, <laughs> and I would just argue Alabama as well, really makes you appreciate Drew Pine. He really has played well, and we could be in for, in a far worse place right now because Jalen Milrow played really well when he came off the bench against Arkansas. I've always said this, Ryan. It's a lot easier to come off the bench in the middle of a game and rally a team than it is to have the whole week of pressure of being the guy. Mm-hmm. And he did not play very well against Auburn. Against Texas A&M, he just but he, he still did. played a lot better than Davis Beville. So yes, <laughs> holy. Um, the point is, is that you know, Drew Pine did what you want your backup quarterback to do. He came in and settled things down. Down now, the key is now that teams have film of him, can he raise his game? Because that's the thing we haven't talked about, Ryan. Now there's film of what a Drew Pine offense looks like. Now there's film of what he does well. And there's film of what he doesn't necessarily do well. And there's going to be a book written on him. Guys that can truly win, guys that need to be starters in their name, they adapt as you adapt. They evolve as you evolve. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen with Ian Book. Once teams got the book on Ian Book, he just was kind of like, just he was who he was. The book on Did, Ian Book. I like right, that. there you go. The story on Ian Book. So that way I don't have the double, the repetitive words there. Once the story was written on Ian Book, in there um he once just never wrote, was the once same they guy. wrote the book of the on sorry, Ian. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah the story on ian book okay i got it you don't <laughs> need to mess with perfection um the, he just he was never the same guy that he was his for his first five six starts right mm-hmm. and his best football the best stretch of football of ian book's career was his first five starts mm-hmm. just was i mean statistically how the offense played all of it can Drew avoid that? Can he continue evolving as a quarterback? And that's, Ryan, why people – I want people to understand this. That's why Ryan and I focus on the things that he needs to get better at in our evaluation last night. Oh, he went 22 of 28. Cool, against BYU. That's great. Does that beat Clemson? Or is that going to work in a couple weeks when teams realize that this is who Drew, Drew Pine is? Mm-hmm. No, it's not. That's mm-hmm. why Drew has to continue to evolve and get better because, okay, yeah. you want to take Michael Mayer out of the game? Cool. This is what I got for you. You know what I mean? You want to take the middle of the field out? Because here's what teams are going to do, too. They're going to say, we're going to take the middle of the field away because Drew Pine likes throwing in the middle of the field. He doesn't like throwing outside a lot. He likes throwing in the – he likes throwing sort of like halfway between the hash and the numbers and inside. That's where Drew is comfortable. We're going to make him throw out cuts. We're going to make him throw comebacks. We're going to make him throw go routes because he doesn't he – does, he's not real good there. Okay, Drew says, okay, cool. Condense your defense. I dare you. Because now I'm going to hit this shot out here and we're going to have this success. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that's what this game is about. That's what this chess match is about. And Drew's got to show he can, he can do that. Uh, but what he has done is he stabilized. That's the job of the backup quarterback. The next stuff that you and I are just talking about, that's the job of a starter. Yeah. That's where Drew is evolving into, because, right? Because, and this is not a Drew Pine conversation per se, but there is a thing called quarterback purgatory. Okay, mm-hmm. and quarterback purgatory is is that a quarterback is good enough to win some football games, right? Yep. But not quite good enough to take you the distance. That's quarterback purgatory, and it's hard to move on from there. But to your point, Brian, we have seen that Drew could be this good. We've seen it, 
Right. Good, good quarterback. Good, solid play. He can manage a game. He can do some good things for you. The next question he needs to answer, if he is the long-term answer quarterback, is if he can take you to the next step, the distance. Drew Pine has not arrived yet. Drew Pine has shown right. a lot of good things, but we have not seen anything yet that says this is a championship. This is a championship-winning quarterback, yeah. right? Maybe it's a championship-level quarterback, but is it a right. winning quarterback? That's different. Well, I will say this, however. You are spot on. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm going to say the encouraging thing is we have seen steps towards that. He has shown us steps towards that. That's important. That's very important. No doubt. Because he he will do – he's already shown me in three games the one thing we have not – we did not see from Ian Book. He will mm-hmm. attack you. He is aggressive. He understands anticipation. And he was willing to throw to the tougher spots of the field. Yes. Ian didn't even, even when Ian was ripping people up, he didn't really do, he threw a lot of stuff outside to, to, to his six, five, his trees outside, you know? And, and so that's an encouraging thing, right? So that's, that's a positive. Now to your point though, Ryan, that doesn't mean that you're a championship quarterback. That means you're showing the potential to maybe be that, but yeah. that's what you're, that's what Ryan is saying. And what we're saying is now let's see him take the next step. Right. And that's the thing against better defenses and that we won't see that really till Syracuse. Like if he goes on the road, if he does, if the next two weeks he just kind of does what he's done the last two weeks, like okay, great. You you he, we now know that Notre Dame will rip up every like to me that's good. Like that means Notre Dame's going to go at least eight and four because they will not lose to any of these other teams because this is how he's going to play. Right. Mm-hmm. We still don't know if he can beat Clemson if he goes on the road and does against the Syracuse defense what he's done the last two weeks. Then I'm a believer that he can be that guy because that is the best pass defense. That is arguably the best secondary he's going to face all year. Would you? I know you agree with that, yeah, Ryan. I did. Like from here on out, and I even think you could look because I'm not a big. I'm still not a high on the Ohio State secondary. I'm not. The safeties are playing a lot better. Their corners are still corners me, are not playing well. I think they're they would average. be better than they are. They're just not yeah. that good. The safeties are playing a lot better, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like yep. Nathan Ransom had a great pick on Saturday. You know, Ronnie Hickman's playing well. Their safeties are playing a lot better football. Their corners are not good. Josh Proctor is starting to settle back in too. Yep. So, yep. Yeah, he's definitely getting shook. He's definitely shook the rust off at this point in time. Let's yep. say they're a hundred percent certain they're the best cornerbacks that they will face all year. Yes, best Without secondary. Doubt. They're in the conversation. It's them and Ohio State, in my opinion. Secondary. Mm-hmm. Now, Clemson has the best defense they're going to face. Yes. We're just talking secondary. Mm-hmm. That tells me something because you went on the road, true road game, right? True road game, which BYU was not. And you beat a really good defense because BYU didn't have a great defense, but Drew no. did what you're supposed to do when you don't play a good defense. That's not a knock on him, but that that so, but it's all part of the evolution of his of his game. You know, like the Cal game was like, holy moly, all this craziness. You come off the bench, you got your buddy because Drew and I've heard that Drew and Tyler do really get along really well. Like they are legitimately friends. Mm-hmm. And and you know your buddy gets hurt. Now you're thrust into this job. Your team's zero and two. That was a, and you could see he was just he was shook at the beginning of that game, yeah. And then he gets you know he missing throws, fumbling the ball, he gets ripped, he settles in, completing a lot of close, you know, easy throws, starts to get comfortable, and then it's like okay, now that's behind me. We got that out, we got that out of the way, mm-hmm. and then we've seen him get really more and more comfortable the next two weeks. Now we need to see if he can take that to another level against a good defense because the only good defense he's played against is Cal's, and didn't play very well. But I'm willing to put an asterisk by that because of all the stuff I just said, mm-hmm. and it's it's fair. 
you know, so when he, when he gets to Syracuse, if he goes and does some things on Syracuse, I'm going to say, okay, we got ourselves a quarterback. You know, meaning not just that, you know, he's doing a good job, but like, you know, I feel really good about going to play Clemson next week because of what Drew Pine did against Syracuse. Right. That's what I'm saying. That's sure. my point. So, uh, yeah. So, anyway, let's see if we, we have a couple more here. Let's see here if we got any more questions here. Uh, I didn't I didn't put Stymie in timeout. What are you talking about? Um, he said he wants, that, you, he wants you to put Stymie in timeout. Okay. <laughs> he said, Brian, put Stymie in timeout for saying Trubisky is better than Fields. Ryan, you can speak to that. I, I, well, again, this, I don't watch NFL. Look, I mean <laughs> – Mitch Trubisky had one okay year in a pretty good situation. Justin Fields is in a terrible situation right now. Mm -hmm. Like he's in not wide receivers for the bears are bad. Offensive line is bad. He's not in a good situation, but I mean, it's time to my, I mean, to like that whole conversation piece though, Mitch Trubisky is quarterback purgatory at points, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, was he awful for the bears in, in, you know, the entire time? No, there was spots where he was okay. But he would he's never going to take you to that next level, right? Like he was never going to do that. Justin Fields, is he the guy? I don't know. I don't know if Justin Fields is the guy. But what I know is that Mitchell Trubisky's not the guy, for sure, not the guy. So mm-hmm. it's the same thing with like the Trey Lance Jimmy Garoppolo thing, right? Like Jimmy Garoppolo is a solid enough quarterback to get you to the playoffs, to win a few football games. Mm-hmm. But is he a guy that's going to win a Super Bowl? I mean, we've already seen him in the Super Bowl and he melted. Like we've seen that. We've seen him melt in big games. Is Trey Lance the guy? I don't know. But you had to see if Trey Lance was the guy or else you're in quarterback purgatory. That's the point. Mm-hmm. I'll say this. I don't know how Justin Fields has played in the NFL. I haven't watched him play. He played okay last week. It's been rough this year, though. But I know the talent he has. Mm-hmm. And I'll take a chance on a kid with that talent over Mitch Trubisky any day of the week for exactly what Ryan said. You know your ceiling with Mitch Trubisky, and it's not okay. great. With Justin Fields, maybe he never pans out. He might not. But if he does, you've got a potential really good quarterback. Is he could, could he be a star? I, I've never felt he was going to be a star. I've never felt he was going to be a Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen type of guy. But you don't need that to win a Super Bowl. You just need a guy mm-hmm. that's pretty good if the rest of the stuff around him is pretty good. Mm-hmm. He's at least at least has the ceiling to be that player. Yeah. I, I have doubts if he's going to get there. Right. I think of the quarterbacks that were drafted that year, you could argue that Justin Fields had the lowest floor of all of them. But you could also argue that he had arguably the second highest ceiling of any of Mm -hmm. the two behind Mm -hmm. Trevor Lawrence, in my opinion, uh, just from a talent standpoint. So I don't know if he's ever going to be a good NFL quarterback. But if if my options are him or Mitch Trubisky. I'm taking Justin Fields any day of the week. Yeah, I'd, ra- I'd rather watch him fail than do the same thing over and over again, right? Yes. Like, hit your head against yes. the wall. Yes, because I'd almost like, let's say Mitch Trubisky could have taken over that team this year, and mm-hmm. let's just say hypothetically that having Mitch Trubisky means the Bears you know, win a few games that they wouldn't otherwise win with Justin Fields, mm-hmm. right? That's the worst thing that could happen to you right now. Yeah. Because if if you're because your roster's not really good, mm-hmm. so I would take my lumps with a young kid like the Cowboys did with Troy Aikman when they went one and fifteen in his first year as a starting quarterback. Get me a couple high draft picks in the first and second round that I can use to build around this kid. Yep, you know, and and they, so they need uh, to build around him right now because yeah. it's bad, man. It's barren wasteland in, in Chicago right now. It's not great yep. offensively. You have a couple good running backs, yep. otherwise. Not much. Not much. Yep. 
Yep. So uh, there you go. There you go. Also, so, also, has anybody seen Mitchell Trubisky play with in Pittsburgh this year? It was uh, pretty bad too. He got benched. So for yeah. Kenny Pickett, how did Pickett play on Saturday? I know they got blown out. Uh, he, he was like third. He, he played like thirty five passes, but like threw fifty something. He threw another interception. He was okay. meh. He was meh. He's thrown four interceptions in two games so far. So, well, the first one was kind of coming off the bench, though, right? If and he I threw three correctly. interceptions coming off the bench. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, you know, in the game they were they were down, but yeah, I mean they got blown out on Saturday. But I was curious how he played. I didn't see him play. I'm not arguing with you. I didn't see him play. That's completed Brian, 34, this, but but attempted 52. Yeah, Brian. He this might and this is nothing against Kenny Pickett or Mitchell Trubisky. It's not. I'm going to take this full scope for a second. This might be the worst Pittsburgh Steeler team of my lifetime. Yeah, that's could bad. be, man. It's bad. That's it's a really good. bad team right now. I'm looking at the box score. Holy crap, Josh Allen. <laughs> 20 of 31 for 424 yards and four touchdowns. He threw for 340 Ooh. in the first half. <laughs> 340 in the first half. How, who, are, who are the top three quarterbacks in the NFL right now? Not not legend. I mean, just right now, who are the three best quarterbacks in the NFL in your opinion? Uh, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. <sighs> I don't have an answer to this, by the way, because yeah. I, again, I don't watch NFL. I was just, that's why I wanted to get your opinion. Um, and I'm not like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. No, 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 not, this isn't like a, a career award. I just want to know yeah. who like the best guys are right now. How's Lamar doing this year? Lamar's doing really well. Lamar okay. might be my third pick. He okay. might be my third pick. Justin was, Herbert was, in that conversation came, at all? Justin Herbert would be in that conversation. Okay. Yeah. Lamar actually came into this past week. He was tied for the league leading touchdown passes this year. Actually. Okay. So he's been doing well. Okay. They just, are they at least using him better? Are they at least letting him be a drop back guy finally and not trying to turn him? Yeah, into a... he's not he's not running as much as he has in the past, but he's I mean he's still dynamic when he does run though. But that's dynamic. my thing is let him run within the pass game. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like and then occasionally like on a third down use his legs where it's just like oh they're using his legs again. Interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I I would I think that yeah he's a gosh in five games he's got almost as many touchdown passes as he threw last year in twelve. You know who's so, a dude? A dude for that team is Mark Andrews, a tight end man. He is. Oh a yeah, the Oklahoma dude. kid. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's a dude. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm trying to say what's what's the top three quarterback rating is Geno Smith, Pat Mahomes, and Tua. So Geno Smith, Geno Smith playing good football for Seattle. Yeah. Man. Good for and him. Lamar is sixth. So yeah, interesting. Let's see. Let's see if Gino can keep it going. That'd be nice. He was so good at West Virginia. I so enjoyed watching uh, him play at West Virginia. If you want to talk about a redemption project, man, if Gino Smith is good all of a sudden, wow. Wow. Yeah. And they lost to the Saints this past weekend, although can't really blame the offense. They scored 32 points. Jeez. Um, boy, they ran for 235 yards on the Seahawks. Goodness gracious. Anyway, boy, oh, boy. That's not good. This is, All not right, your, let me, this is not your uncle's. People Seattle are saying uh, Jalen Hurts should be in the top oh, three. Oh, stop. Stop, stop, stop. Jalen Hurts is playing good football. It wasn't very impressive last week. He's been playing good. But uh, the Eagles have a really good roster, man. I, I, I would not take him over any of the three quarterbacks I met. Not even close. But he's and this, playing is good why, football. this is why you got to be careful to not let stats set, tell, say too much to you. Do you know who the number five uh, player in the NFL is in passing yards? I don't. Carson Wentz. <laughs> you know who's number six in passing yards? Matt Ryan. 
So yeah, Matt, and Matt Ryan's so, cooked. Yeah. Matt Ryan is done. J- Tua is averaging nine yards per attempt. Dude, he he had that in the NFL. That that's insane in the NFL, dude. Tua threw nine, six touchdowns in the second game of the year. It was insane. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And then uh, Jalen Hurts is second in yards per attempt. He's yeah. only thrown four touchdown passes in five games. That's kind of yeah. strange. He's been sacked a lot. Justin Fields has been sacked eighteen times. Yes. I, remember I, I, I don't, don't want to. I don't want to throw shade at a former Notre Dame player, but Sam Mustafer is not too great for that. I can't comment on Sam Mustafer because every time I say anything other than he's the greatest center to ever live, his entire family tries to come after me on Twitter. So pass oh. uh, <laughs> on that one. Uh, like literally had to block the dude's entire family. Like it's like okay, whatever, dude. Um, it was very very strange. It's like all within like a twenty four hour period. I was like oh, okay, whatever you guys say. <laughs> All right. This is what he was like in the NFL. Like, yeah. All right. Whatever you say. Anyway, so that is going to, I'm not talking NFL. I'm asking questions about the NFL. I don't watch the NFL, so I can't really talk about it, but people asked about it. It's a mailbag. We give you guys some room to, you know, to ask about things, you know, that uh, you want to talk about. So got Ryan on. So why not? Ryan watches a lot of NFL. I'm like, Hey man, can you do some work today? I know it's a Sunday and it's your NFL day, but we got to get some stuff done. So yeah. I'm kidding. That's never been a com- conversation we've had. So the, Ryan, that's going to do it for today's show. Very fun mailbag. You guys asked some, some great, great questions. And I know there's some more out there, but we we've got to get rolling because we've got work to do today. Everybody. Uh, we've got more breakdowns to do a lot more to talk about tonight. Six o'clock. Sean Styers is going to be back. I think it's him and it's either him and I think it's him and Vince tonight or no, it's him and Jesse tonight. I believe I could be wrong on that, but regardless, Vince on it's Wednesday, be a right? Show. Vince is, yeah, Wednesday Vince is the mailbag on Wednesday, yeah. right? Monday and Wednesday, I think. Uh, but, uh, you know, so those guys will be back tonight, six o'clock. You definitely want to check that out. Ryan and I'll be back tomorrow. We are going to kind of look at the statistical matchup between Notre Dame and Stanford. Then, and then what are the on field matchups that are going to most impact those, uh, those statistical matchups. And then of course, Thursday keys to the game Friday, we will make some predictions. It's going to be fun. I got a couple other ideas that I want to run by Ryan of some potential shows we may do. So who, who knows? We may have some more stuff coming up here in the next couple of weeks. So uh, anyway, everybody have an awesome rest of your day. Thank you all so much for joining us. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. Everybody hit the notification bell, share this podcast. If you're listening via podcast, please give us a five-star review. Check out the merch store. Built Bar, y'all. Look, it's been a minute, but check out Built Bar, right? 10% off if you use the Irish Breakdown promo code. Uh, tons of stuff going on. But, of course, as always, sign up for the boards at irishbreakdown.com. You can do that at boards.irishbreakdown.com. Check that out. Um, and you know what else? Have a great rest of your day and be back with us tomorrow. Thanks, everybody, for joining us on the Irish Breakdown podcast. <laughs>
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.